As some of you might know from earlier platform addresses, I am a committed reader of the comic section of the paper. There was a great one just a couple of days ago in the religious category, which is, of course, my favorite. It showed two angels watching as people filed in through the pearly gates, carved with the heartening words, Welcome to Heaven. These pearly gates, though, had two doors. One door had a sign that said, Right Religion Entrance. The other door had a different sign, Wrong Religion Entrance. All the people, of course, were lining up to go through the Right Religion Entrance, after all, wouldn't you? But there on the side, watching the line form, and nodding at the open door marked wrong religion, no line there. One angel says to the other, the funny thing is, none of them ever get the joke. (laughs) Whether it is the right religion or the wrong religion that gets you into heaven, that idea, getting into heaven, getting somewhere good after we die, is one of those big questions we sometimes ask in life. It's one that I am sometimes asked as people are curious about what ethical culture has to say on the topic. I usually answer that, like questions of God, ethical culture is neutral on life after death. People believe what they find in their own hearts, And I have talked to enough ethical culturists to know that people find different things in their hearts. But what we come together around, what we celebrate and honor on Remembrance Day in our memorial services, is how to remember the people who have left us while we're still here. As in other aspects of our religious life together, we focus on the here and now. And that means us and our ways of remembering and loving and missing the people we've lost. Ethical Culture's founder, Felix Adler, had some beautiful things to say about how we honor those we have lost. He emphasized, and you may have heard it before, a kind of distillation of the person's life. He asked us in an ethical philosophy of life, to get the total perspective of his life, to see the fine qualities standing out more distinctly. This image, he goes on, we can now ideally contemplate with the advantage that none of the actual infirmities of his or her nature can mar it. The work of clarifying the image of our friend goes on unimpeded. Adler suggests creating a kind of perfect obituary, I think, bringing out all the best qualities about our loved ones to create an image that can serve to inspire us, to charge us with how to live our own lives, to honor someone's memory. And that is a wonderful thing. It's an idea I often bring up in memorial services, that the best way we can honor the memory of someone we've lost is to live lives that are worthy of them, of who they were. 
the poet Archibald MacLeish put it perhaps most simply and most eloquently when he wrote, They say we leave you our deaths. Give them their meaning. But there's a piece of this distillation, this drilling down to the finest points of character that makes me a little uneasy. And it's that part that I hope to tease out today to give us a chance to reflect on as we prepare for our candle lighting ceremony. I remember the very first time I did a memorial service a number of years ago now. I remember how nervous I was to meet with the family, in this case the daughter of a man who had died. I was hoping for that first service that she would have an uncomplicated story to tell, that describing their relationship and this man would be easy. Well, we don't always get what we wish for. What I remember most about that first memorial service was that the story had plenty of complications. Estranged family members, difficult relationships, years of distance. But I remember, too, the story of a great love, of a marriage tested by war, of a brilliant intellect, a father who loved deeply in his own way. Not an uncomplicated story, but a beautiful one. And so there's the thing for me, because we are none of us uncomplicated. Not our stories and not our relationships and not ourselves. The people that we love and the people that we lose are real people, after all. Not distillations of themselves, not just a set of values that we cherish. I lost a college friend in the first few months after graduation. I remember his drive, his sense of honor, his love for this country. I also remember his political values, much more conservative than mine, his fascination with fast, expensive cars, a bit conspicuous for my taste, and the way he never cleaned up the bathroom that his suite shared with mine. And you know, when he died, I didn't just miss his sense of honor. I missed those little model Porsches. (laughs) I missed his talking about which one he'd buy when he made his first million. The desire to own a flashy sports car wasn't a value that I wanted to honor and use as a charge for my own life, but it was a quintessential part of who my friend was. I have done a lot more memorial services since that first one. The stories are never uncomplicated, and they are always beautiful. I find it is when performing memorial services that I feel most honored to do the work that I do, to be entrusted with this sacred act of telling someone's story. It's an honor to hear what people loved about the person they lost, what they laughed over, and what they just put up with. We are all such a funny mixture of wonderful and terrible, loving and hurtful, broken and whole. 
We live in that tension, trying to be our best selves and knowing that we fall short so often and loving ourselves anyway. We're trying to. Being loved anyway or because of it. So today, I wonder if this is part of the lesson that we can learn from those we love and lose. The lesson that we are not just one thing, but many things. That we live somewhere in between perfect and hopeless. This is, I think, a kind of religious knowledge in the best sense of the word which is to say less about which gate you use to get into heaven and more about how we live our lives, how we understand our place in the world. The knowledge that we need not strive for a perfection that will be anyway beyond our reach and that we are somehow still perfect just as we are that we are the amazing, beautiful, precious creatures we have always hoped to be. There is a Hasidic saying that I love, which I think gets at this idea, at the thought that we are in need of both humility and pride. It is attributed to Rabbi Simcha Bunim of Poland, although I imagine, like most of these sayings, it has many authors. Here is how it goes. Everyone must have two pockets so that she can reach into the one or the other according to her needs. In her right pocket are to be the words, for my sake was the world created. And in her left, I am earth and ashes. I am everything and I am nothing. I am whole and I am broken. Somehow both are true for people, for communities, for nations. We are a broken world, and we are, after all, the only one perfect world that we have. I like to think that Adler knew that saying, and it's not an unreasonable thought, growing up as he did steeped in Jewish tradition. Certainly, he understood that feeling, so clearly part of the human condition, that we are both wonderful and wonderfully flawed. Adler was a true student of people, and so I imagine that even as he called us to remember that which was most inspiring about the people that we love, he knew, too, that we are never only inspiring, and that it is the whole person that we remember, the whole person that we miss. Inspiration comes in many packages, and what I am thinking today is that a plain brown wrapping can sometimes make the jewel inside seem more precious still. So there you have what has been moving around in my mind and in my heart this year as I prepared for our Remembrance Day. If it resonates for you, I offer it as a frame for our time together. 
as we seek to honor those we have loved and lost today.